Okay, um, so uh, that takes us to the adoption of the agenda. Are there any adi additions needed? I uh, understand that in camera there will be uh, three HR issues and three legal issues. So you can amend your, uh, your uh, agenda to show that. Um, and uh, anything from any of the uh, counselors? Additions or deletions? Hearing none, I'll entertain a motion to accept the agenda as amended. I would put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to accept the agenda as amended with uh, three additions to HR and three to legal under the in-camera session. Okay. All in favor? In favor. Passed. Uh, that takes us to the adoption of the minutes. Uh, so the minutes of February the 8th, 2016, uh, regular meeting of council should, should have been available to everybody. And um, are there any um, any clarifications or changes that need to be made to those minutes to properly uh, reflect what actually happened? Mr. Mayor, I have one under presentations. Number one, I believe that uh, Sharon's last name should be included there. So it's Malu, M-A-I-L-L-O-U-X. Any other amendments? Mr. Sarch, Sarchuk, do you have one? Uh, there, there, was, there was a couple of grammatical things, but mine probably doesn't bear on the uh, meaning. Okay. So are you willing to put forth a a motion to adopt the minutes as amended. All in favor of Mr. Sachek's motion? In favor. Uh, that uh, takes us to, uh, are there public hearings, Mr. Parker? Uh, yes, there is, Your Worship, uh, bylaw 1975, and uh, Alicia Woody will come on up and present. Okay, there is a... Uh, Procedural bylaw has a uh, format that we need to go through. Does someone have that for me? Yeah, it's a special order to do the hearing.
Seems to be a request for a password to get into Civic Web. You should be able to view it just on the normal website. What's that? If you go through the website, you should be able That's to view exactly it. That's exactly where I went. And that worked? That's right? exactly what I'm getting to is password request. So Even if you just look up the agenda package on the website? I've got in. I got into my actual computer, but yeah, going through the website, I still I can't get into the bylaw. Bylaw, or the public hearing. Yeah, I can get into other stuff. I just can't get into the public hearing. It's in your green folders. Modi, do you know whether this is a statutory or a non-statutory public hearing? It would be a statutory public hearing. Okay. So um, I have the... It's right here. You got it? Yeah. So we'll uh, wait for Mr. Parker. Or we can proceed... the statutory public hearing open uh, for bylaw 1975 and this hearing is to be held pursuant to sections 7, 8, 230, 606 and 692 of the Municipal Government Act of 2000 as amended. 
Ms. Fallon, could you confirm what the purpose of this public hearing is? I think Alicia's doing it. Uh, could you su supply it, given that the uh, mm -hmm. given that the bylaw is specific about the executive assistant uh, providing this information? Mm -hmm. Do you have a public hearing report in front of you? Mm-hmm. Read the subject. Like the legal description? No, just the subject, just the subject line. Oh, bylaw 1975 creates a new residential district R1. Dash G, rezoning from direct control to R1 dash G, caretaker office residence amendments. Okay, very good. And was this public hearing notice advertised in the local newspaper? And uh, do you have the dates on which it was advertised? It was advertised and it was um, February 10th and 17th, 2016. Okay. And were there any written submissions received and not included in the public hearing agenda package? No. Is that correct, Ms. Moody? The one that was received is included at the back of this packet. Okay. Um, so all persons that are to give oral presentations are to clearly state their name and those presentations uh, hopefully are brief and to the point. And the order of the non of the statutory public hearing presentation will be the uh, development officer or designate, uh, followed by those in favor of the bylaw and those opposed to the bylaw, and then any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard. Uh, I'll allow uh, questions from members of council after each presentation, and I will also allow to concluding statement from those who have made a presentation. And once those presentations are made, uh, I will uh, declare the public hearing closed. So, uh, uh, Ms. Modi, you are the development officer? I am. Or designated. Okay. So, uh, so, so maybe give your full name. Okay, Alicia Modi, Municipal Planner for the McKenzie Municipal Services Agency. So I am here to present the contents of bylaw 1975. The bylaw contains two unrelated amendments to the land use bylaw. And the first proposes to create a new residential district named Residential District 1G and rezone three lots, lot three, two, and one of block one plan 092788. And that was rezone those lots from direct control to the new residential district R1G. The amendment has come forward because the applicant uh, made a request to amend the land use bylaw to incorporate a, a zero side yard setback residential district within the land use bylaw. This is not currently enabled within our land use bylaw and therefore we are here today to consider that amendment. Uh, the new residential district would vary from the town's basic residential district, single detached residential district, in a number of key ways. Specifically, it would reduce the minimum lot width from 15.24 meters to 7.66 meters. It would reduce our front yard minimum depth from 7.62 meters to 6 meters. 
It reduces the minimum side yard setback from 1.22 meters to zero meters, provided that additional requirements are met. It um, increases the maximum site coverage from 35% to 53%. And where the zero side yard setback exists, it mandates that the other side yard will be a minimum of 1.52 meters, that all of the roof leaders that are coming off of the dwelling, dwelling conform to Section F of our Municipal Servicing Standards, and that no roof leader discharge will be directed onto a maintenance easement, uh, that no permanent structure, including a fence, would be constructed on the maintenance easement, and that a maintenance easement would be registered against title that would cover the 1.52 meter side yard, and that would be a private maintenance easement that allows for the property adjacent to it to uh, have access to that land for maintenance of both properties. It would include a 0.3 meter even encroachment with requirements that the eaves between the buildings would not be any closer than 0.9 meters. And it would also allow for a 0.6 meter footing encroachment. In addition, the Land Use Bylaw District requires that any dwelling unit that has is built with that zero lot line setback would also have the installation of residential sprinklers in accordance with the National Fire Protection Association standard NFP or NFAP 13D. And the district also requires that no more than 50% of the front yard would be part, prior width may be hardscaped. And as I said before, that would rezone, this, this, this uh, bylaw amendment would rezone three lots to the new R1G district. The second part of the bylaw amendment creates or changes the uh, caretaker residence definition within the landing bylaw. Essentially, the main change is that it would remove the requirement that any caretaker residence be a single-wide manufactured home. The Lenny's bylaw amendment also tweaks section 12.8, which is the section dealing with caretaker office residences, to ensure that the regulations in that section are consistent with the change in the definition. In terms of the site that we're considering rezoning. Uh, that rezoning area is would support the development proposed by Peaceful Homes Limited. There are a number of outstanding items on this file, including finalizing the overall site concept, uh, the engineering drawings, finalizing a road closure and land sale, uh, reviewing interse intersection upgrade requirements from tra Alberta Transportation, and drafting a development agreement. So there are a number of outstanding items uh, that we are still working towards finalizing. In terms of the site itself, it is three parcels of land between Nanyad Street and the Peace River. It's largely flat. There is a 12-meter right-of-way that runs along the west side of the parcels. And it's important to note that the land is outside of the town's 10-minute res fire response area. Currently, the land is vacant and undeveloped. In terms of adjacent land uses, to the west uh, we have the CN Rail Yard, and to the north <coughs> excuse me, is the CN Rail Line and Bridge that crosses the Peace River. To the south is the Shaftesbury Trail and the Citadel Development Area, which is relatively undeveloped at this time. And to the southwest we have the Pines Residential Neighborhood. 
In terms of the direction that our municipal planning documents provide with respect to this amendment, uh, the municipal development plan policy 5.3.3 states the town shall support residential neighborhoods that provide a diversity of lot sizes, including reduced frontages and zero lot line development. However, currently zero lot line development is not enabled within the land use bylaw. Uh, zero lot line development involves the placement of a house on a lot so that one wall is on the property boundary. Conventional zoning provisions require dwelling to be set back from each lot line. On small lots, this limits the size of the dwelling that can be constructed. Placing the house on one of the side lot lines increases the usable yard, side yard on each side of the dwelling while maximizing the width of the home that can be constructed. It also maintains a similar overall appearance to the neighborhood block face. Zero lot line development requires an easement to be registered on the neighboring property to allow access. It also increases the fire resistance requirements of the building code for each dwelling due to the narrower separation distances between the dwellings. The building code will also prevent that windows would be incorporated on the sidewalls of the dwellings. And given that the land in this particular case is outside of the town's 10 minute response area for the fire department, uh, the dwellings within this area will also be subject to HERF requirements of the building code. Uh, the fire department has also recommended that the town require the zero lot line residential development only be allowed if a residential sprinkler system is installed. That will allow for immediate fire suppression on site. Uh, with respect to the other component of the amendment, the caretaker residence definition, the municipal development plan does not provide any specific direction for or against that change. Uh, by law 1975 was advertised in the Record Gazette on February 10th and 17th. Uh, and once that bylaw was advertised, we did receive further feedback from the CN uh, rail. So the last attachment in this document includes the email from CN rail, where they state that upon further review, CN respectfully submits that the subject lands are not suitable for the development of sensitive uses such as residential. This site is abutting an active rail yard for which the FCM, that's Federation of Canadian Municipalities, and the RAC, that's Rail Association of Canada, recommend a minimum 300 meter setback for sensitive uses, a standard that CN fully endorses. This setback cannot be met at this location, and as such, CN has to state its objection to the proposed rezoning, subdivision, and development of these lands in consideration for the safety and well-being of the occupants. That being said, the town is not um, subject to the... CN does not have the power to require. In this case, it's still the town's authority to make this decision. However, they have obviously provided a very strong uh, position. If the town were to choose to, uh, to enable this development, CN does recommend that the town continue to work with them in terms of addressing issues of drainage, stormwater management, safety barrier implementation, acoustic impacts, traffic impacts at crossings, measures to prevent trespassing, advisories for occupants, covenants, and other title instruments, to ensure that mitigation measures are preserved and maintained over time. 
can take any questions that council may have. So this goes from direct control to R1G. So, but direct control did anticipate there being residential activity in, in this area. Would, would you not concur or not? Direct control means that there's no specific direction in terms of one particular type of land use, but that the decision-making authority is left up to council. In terms of the municipal development plan, in the future land use concept, this area is labeled as direct control. So there's no specific residential, industrial, commercial type direction. Any other questions? I had one that I think we talked about briefly about the eaves. And so, like that eave it specified is a lot narrower than most that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, so they're prepared to comply with that, the developer? The, when we were reviewing the proposed development or building plans, and we did note that the eaves were wider than the point three, and we had asked that they would amend that, and they were working towards doing that. Yes. The other question, I'm just trying to throw up the map. Like, how far is like 300 meters from the CN yard? 300 meters from the CN yard is approximately in the middle of the river. But is not the um, subdivision to the south that's within that range as well, right? The pines? Yeah. Yes. Well, the pines I would be fully encompassed within this 300 meters from the CN property, which is actually quite a little large. The, from the CN yard, it would capture a portion of the Pines neighborhood for sure. And do we know, like, has anybody done any sound studies to see what the difference in sound would like? The developer hasn't completed that yet, has they? No, but prior to this feedback from CN, it had been our intention to require the vibration and sound study as a condition of the development permit for the first three initial homes and as a condition of subdivision for the rest of the neighborhood. With respect to CN, then, the, the fact that there's 90th Street is there, they don't care about a road going by their lots, it's just because it's housing. Yes, that is my understanding. They would recommend that within 300 meters of their yard, their rail yard, you would not approve any new develop residential development or sensitive land uses. I have not had the time to dig down exactly what is meant by sensitive land uses, but residential is certainly one of them. So in uh, bigger cities and so on, uh, Edmonton comes to mind. Um, do they follow the 300 meter exclusion of residential? There's obviously many examples of residential or sensitive land uses within close proximity to a rail yard across the country. The question is whether we continue to develop that way or not. And the recommendations from the Canadian Federation of Municipalities and the Rail Association of Canada, I believe, are relatively new within the last, say, five years. I'm not sure if those have impacted, uh, if those recommendations have impacted development in other communities or not. It would be a good question to ask Sam. So do you think it's five years, or do you think it may be within the last 12, 18 months? 
this 300 meter setback? I am not 100% sure when that document came out. 2000 and something. So I just want to go back to this direct control. So um, it, it was, it's always been direct control, I take it, this, these parcels of land? I'm not sure how long they've been in direct control, but they have been for. And um, we don't know what the rationale was for placing them under direct control? Generally speaking, direct control is for lands that are unique, have specific site constraints, so the town wasn't ready or able at a certain point to specify exactly what they thought the best direction was for those lands. And But I understand at one time there were residents on, on there. I, uh, Granted, they were U.S. Army uh, houses, um, and, but the CN Rail Yard has always been there yeah. since, whatever, 1914 or something. Okay, any other queries? Pardon me? Your Worship, your answer to the question of when that uh, uh, document was uh, adopted. Oh, okay. It was in 2013, Vancouver, FCM. That's when it was unveiled. I had one question, Alicia. Um, in the email that's included here where it's talking about <clears throat> CN's recommendations and some of the areas that they figured the town would need to address, one of them they mentioned measures to prevent trespassing. Are they basically implying that we would need to put measures in place so that nobody trespasses against CN's property? That is my understanding, yes. So do we need to do that in every property in town where we... That's a fine question. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that because this is a new development, the other ones are all grandfathered until there's a new a change on it. But, but it could be as, as simple as just putting a no press trespassing sign on. But are we are we authorized to post signs on their property saying no trespassing on their property? No. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, CM has a, a whole police force that's dedicated to uh, the enforcement business. I'm, I'm not sure if they've got anybody in Peace River or not, but uh, we certainly see them at FCM conferences and at AMDC conferences, and uh, they're always uh, always very much part of the, the CN public relations department, so um, I'm not sure what a sign would do. I, I would think they'd have an enforcement division that would look after this stuff. It's such a big deal. So I take it that's the that's your presentation? It is. I will uh, now ask for those in favor of the <laughs> bylaw to come forward and present themselves and make their argument. Yeah, this is for people in favor of the bylaw.
could yeah. just ask uh, the presenter to use the microphone, Your Worship. That would be great. Yeah. And, Peter, <coughs> if we could get you to uh, just state your full Sorry. name and uh, who you represent. Okay. Uh, my name That's is Peter Diorio. I'm the developer. So, um, concerning the bylaw CN that we got today, um, I just want to mention that the, the, the yard, the DC and yard is on one side of the road of the 90th. We are completely on the other side of the road of the 90th. And also there will be a future road that we're going to be doing, which means that it's going to be separated with two roads, the 90th and our future road. I don't know what it's going to be called. So that's one, one concern that they have is how, and, and also, like we said, the, there's pine, uh, I don't know what they're like 50 feet away, or like 10 feet away, their backyards are 10 feet away from the train track. And uh, we're, uh, we're, we're at least 100 meters away from the train track. But not 300, because 300 I'd have to build the houses on barges because they're going to be right in the middle of the road. <laughs> you know? so, uh, and also, we're, we're not even 300 meters away from the bridge. If you look at it that way, there's a bridge also that's there, and we're not even 300 meters away from that. And concerning the, and the, also the CN person is talking about drainage. I don't know what drainage is affected. We're, we're so far away, and we have our own drainage system that can be set on site. So he's talking about drainage, and it doesn't affect the train track at all. If the, uh, the sound assessment, uh, the sound, uh, yeah, vibration. That we're getting that done. We gave them mandated out already. It's mandated, so that means as soon as that person is ready, we're going to get that done. The intersection. We started our paperwork with the CN and uh, Alberta Transportation. The design is getting done. We should get the design maybe in a couple of weeks. So, and I think their last point was to stop people from trespassing on their land. It's not even gated. Their land is not gated, and there are signs already said authorized personnel only on their site. And how can we stop people from going onto their land, their site? Even if I, we are planning on putting a fence in the front of the old lot, which means it's going to be like a gated community. There's only going to be one entrance and one exit. So I don't know what else we can do, but uh, I think uh, the CN, uh, the CN is. Uh, I think this person doesn't know where the lot is, or. or misunderstood the question or I don't know what well I certainly think that they're probably trying to cover off or put the monkey on our back i.e. Uh, put any perceived liabilities on the on the back of either, either the developer and or the town mm -hmm. and these are things that we'll have to give some consideration to as you will as well um, and I I I take it that no one in this room understands uh, when when um, CN says that their requirement about uh, drainage, safety barrier implementation, acoustic impacts, traffic impacts at crossings, measures to prevent trespassing, uh, advisory for occupants, covenants, and other instruments to ensure mitigation measures are preserved and maintained over time. That these, how, how, how much can they insist on these? Say we pass, we pass this particular uh, bylaw. We put it into, we change it from direct control to R1G. Can they 
will they be able to leverage any of these items to prevent the developer from putting up their, his houses? And I did preface it by saying I don't know if anybody in this room has the answer. I don't think I, I don't think I can provide the absolute answer. I do think it would be a good question to pose to council or council. Would council think that it's, is it better than to just to leave it as direct control? <coughs> did, would it help? I think that's what, is that, I think so. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay, so I think we should leave it as direct control. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking council. I don't know. What to do. So I think it would be better, no? But CN's still going to put these concerns forward, whether it's because it's not the zoning that they have the issue with; it's the development that they seem to appear to have concerns with. But I mean, like I'm I'm looking at this and I'm wondering, okay, so I can understand them putting liability on us saying. If you approve this, we're warning you that you shouldn't do anything within 300 meters. If you go ahead and do it on your own, if these people have issues with sound and vibration, that's your problem now. That's not our problem. But they've taken it to a whole new level when they start asking about, like you said, the drainage or the the measures to prevent trespassing. And, you know, those types of things, those are our, you know, trespassing on theirs, like you said, is their concern. We'll worry about the ramifications of the decisions we make on the developed land but so it seems to be a little bit muddled there but uh, I'd just like to say that on the uh, before a transaction is done I mean before one of the homes will be sold it will be written on the documents that everybody's aware that there's a CN, there's CN rail across the street and that uh, if there is some noise which I'm sure there isn't but if there is some noise issues or trespassing we can write all that on the document so everybody knows I, I think we need to be cognizant. I, I, there is noise. I live probably 900 meters from the railway, and we can hear the trains. It doesn't affect me at all. I, I sound sleepy, but it, the trains will wake my wife. But again, I, I think it's fair, you know, that whoever buys those homes, that they oh, need to be given a heads up that you're you're moving next to a rail yard. But, uh, but you get you run into all the time. You read that people in Edmonton they'll live right on the flightway of the of the downtown airport, and then they complain have the audacity to complain about well, there's airplanes flying over my house. Well, you know, don't buy here if that's what you don't want to buy. So, so as long to me, we need to give require people to acknowledge when they buy the property that you're living next to your rail yard. You're right. Well, if it's registered as an instrument on the title, then it's pub then it's information that they'll have. You know when. When it, it goes to be sold, um, but I mean, I can hear you. The flight path one, I would say we're talking a little bit of a different <coughs> scenario because you may not even see the airport and be on a flight path and not realize it necessarily. This is pretty obvious that you're moving in across from a rail yard because there's a, like a train spur and like train cars right there. Like it's not like anybody's hiding. Yeah, it's not hiding. No, so but you could register as an instrument yeah, on title and then absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I guess I'm just a little concerned in the way they've worded this. It's almost. I guess we need to do a little bit more work and talk to legal counsel, but. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about how they're saying, you know, the things about the trespassing and, and the drainage. You know, are they tr are they basically laying the groundwork that they can come back to the town then and make an argument 
that we're impacting their property because of this development that they didn't agree should go there. That's more my concern and what CN has sent us here. The drainage has, is completely apart. Has nothing to do. We're going to have our own drainage. Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. I'm just saying that what I'm concerned about is that they're laying groundwork here for things that they could then potentially come back to the town on, which is where legal counsel, I think, needs to get involved and say, yes, no, based on what you're doing, no, they couldn't come back to you on drainage, um, but they might be able to come back to you on trespassing, although I can't imagine that either. But that's what's concerning me more than anything with this email. Yeah, it's pretty hard in this town. We, we wouldn't even have a town if we, uh, we have to build 300 meters off on one side and 300 meters off on the other side. So, um, but this, the hearing is really just to gather information. Uh, we, we, uh, we look at pa passing the bylaw later on in the meeting and or deferring that passage uh, to another meeting based on, uh, you know, the need for more information. Um, I don't have one from okay, but, but right now, like the, as it stands, is, uh, Ms. Modi, this is a bylaw to create a, to change the district in question from direct control to R1G. It probably really doesn't matter whether it's direct control or R1G, given some of the concerns that CN has or the caveats that CN has put out. And uh, the caretaker office residence amendment is to allow the individual selling, the developer to, that sells the, these, these houses to have a caretaker house on the, on the lot or? No, those two are completely separate. The caretaker residence is a separate amendment, has nothing to do with the residential development. What that, that change to the bylaw means that the caretaker residence definition will be a dwelling that a secondary or accessory to the principal industrial, commercial, or recreational use located on the same lot and that is used for the purpose of providing living accommodation for the individuals who are primarily responsible for the maintenance and security of the principal use on that lot. So it is nothing to do with the residential. It contemplates having a single dwelling that is related to an industrial, commercial, or recreational use. And the definition as it stands today requires for that building to be a single, or sorry, a, yeah, single wide manufactured home. So it doesn't allow for any other type of form for that dwelling, that dwelling to take. And that's a constraint that we would rather not have so that we can integrate a dwelling into an industrial space in a different way. I guess it also allows somebody to put up a pop tent to stay there, is that right? <laughs> a pop tent. That's not a permanent dwelling, so I'm not sure oh, okay. that I mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair but enough. essentially, it, it allows a caretaker to live upstairs from an office, sort of thing, in an industrial kind of area. Yeah. I know it's still a discretionary use with all of, within all of our industrial districts. So, if and when that type of development application came forward. We would look at the site specifically and see if what they're proposing is appropriate for the area. So, Mr. Diorio, are there is there any other information you want to present in, in this uh, at this opportunity uh, that you want us to know about? Just one more thing. Uh, I, I spoke to some people in Peace River, 
And we have decided not to uh, build on the zero lot line anymore. So that is canceled. We are going back to uh, wider lots, longer lots, because I know that's what people want. So we are losing seven doors, which means we will be losing seven houses. So now there's only going to be I just want to make sure I'm not saying anything without her uh, permission. So we're losing uh, seven doors. So we're only going to have 48. No more zero lock line. No more sprinklers. We're just going to put the standard eight, I think, between every door, every wall. And uh, we decided that last night. So I'm sorry if it's at the last minute. But this, but that shouldn't make it difference because if we if we allow zero lot lines with the sprink uh, with the sprinkler protection and that sort of thing um, that just gives uh, the developer those options in the future I suppose unless we want to take some more time to think about zero lot lines and sprinkler requirements if, if the site concept were to change in that way then we wouldn't necessarily need to create the R1G district. A different rezoning for our district that currently exists within our land use bylaw would probably be sufficient. Um, that being said, the R1G district can still be created, and even if this area were to be rezoned to that, those all those setbacks are minimums. So if they are exceeding the setback minimums, that's not something that would be disallowed. You had a question, Mr. Sajak. It was just whether or not we would need to rezone, obviously, if we're getting away from zero lot lines. I mean, that was the whole purpose of the rezone. So, again, if the developer chooses not to do that, then it doesn't make much sense to rezone. But it, I'll just provide context. Like, personally, I like the concept of zero lot lines because, again, you put the house up against the lot, then you can actually, if people want to have a driveway between the house, they can do it. If you do it, within the middle lot, you can't do that. And so you see that in some of the newer subdivisions in Edmonton where they've done that for that very reason. And I I actually thought that was the mode of most new developments to, to go to the zero lot lines so they could do that. So if people want to put their RV in the backyard and in the subdivision of no lot, they could do it. it. But you go with the bigger lot. But we could still do that. It's because it, it's I just wanted to mention it so I got a bit extra, it's like, a, if it's more work for the council to approve it, and then after that yeah. we change it, then I just want to make sure that we don't do this for nothing, and after that we have to go back and change it again. So if, if uh, we could still build on a zero lot line and yeah. leave that eight foot in between both doors, the both walls. That's but I guess my question is, if we have does the zero lot line, do we have to have a bylaw specific to each subdivision or each development, or can we approve it in concept and then it's up to the developer to come and say, here's my lot, I want to have this with the lot, and we're going to go with zero lot lines. This, the rezoning uh, or the creating the district does, is not specific to this development. This district could be applied in other places in town. Right. And this bylaw also happens to rezone these lands. But that doesn't preclude us from, from applying the zone to this land or not and still creating the district if that's the direction the council wants to move in. So we could give the second reading and then you guys can sort out exactly what's going through and then bring it back for third reading exactly what's going to be like I just I would like to keep this moving forward myself <coughs> okay thank you any other questions for Mr. Diorio I will now uh, thank you Mr. Diorio I will now uh, call for uh, 
Anyone opposed to the bylaw to uh, step forward, uh, state their name, and provide their arguments? First call, second call, third call. I don't see anyone opposed to the bylaw. I will now uh, provide opportunity for any person uh, who, who is affected and who uh, wishes to be heard to come forth, state their name, and provide their uh, arguments. First call, second call, third call. Uh, hearing, seeing that no one stepped forward, uh, I will now uh, allow uh, the development officer, Ms. Modi, to, uh, uh, if she wishes, to provide a concluding statement. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Diorio, would you like to provide a concluding statement? No, thank you. Okay. Um, I will now declare this public hearing closed. Thank you. Um, I see that there are no presentations, Mr. Parker. That is correct. Motion. Um, I will ask council if they wish to take a five-minute recess before we get into the three bylaws, bylaw 1977, bylaw 1978, and bylaw 1979, or if they wish to press, press forward. Bylaw 1975 is not on this on this list. I press forward and take a break after, but no, okay. And will will we? Uh, so, in terms of the bylaw, why? Um, I guess why wouldn't bylaw 1975 have been uh, listed under this section? It's coming back next week. It's coming back next week. Is that it's right? It's coming back. Yes, uh, at the next. Uh, uh, Council meeting, sir. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we'll press forward uh, on the advice of the Deputy Mayor. <laughs> uh, so the there's a request for proposal regarding proposed fees and charges uh, uh, under bylaw 1975, and this is for second and third reading. And I take it Ms. Tanya Bell, our Director of Community services will be speaking to this item. And Did I say 75? Yeah. Okay. 77. Yeah. It is. Uh, bylaw 1977. <coughs> uh, your Worship in Council, Bylaw 1977 is presented to you for second and potentially third reading. Um, as per the request of Council, administration went back to the specifically Ball Diamond user groups and we did receive a re written response from the President of Minor Ball, um, which is included in your package. In addition, we did receive a verbal response on Friday from a member of the Slow Pitch organization and I'll read their uh, summary of their conversation with our uh, recreation facility coordinator. Um, the individual that he spoke to on Friday was not in favor of the fee increase from $300 to $350 uh, per team. If, uh, sorry, just 
trying to read through this quickly. If the town does increase this, um, then slow pitch will not operate for this upcoming year. And they will pull all their equipment from the facility, specifically Ken Horland Ball Diamonds. Um, however, through the conversation, it was noted the existing expense and cost that they we put into the facility in 2015, um, to which there wasn't a lot of response. But also for your information, the actual expenses to the Ken Hornland ball, dim ball diamonds specifically, the operating cost at that site was $45,000 for 2015. Of that, the contracted amount was for our grass cutting was 21350 So that gives you a um, perspective on the actual expense at that facility of the four ball diamonds, which does not include the operational expense to the additional four diamonds at the arena, Lower West Peace, Kinsman Funland, and Ski Hill Ball Diamond. So that just gives you a perspective on what your operating costs are to um, the Ken Hortland Ball Diamond facilities. And in revenue from 2015, um, Peace River Minor Ball, we brought in $650. And the Slow Pitch League was $5,100 was revenue. So for a cost recovery of approximately 12% at the Ken Hornland Ball Diamonds for cost recovery at that, that particular site. Um, administration presents a couple of other changes to So just before yes. you move on, mm -hmm. uh, so the Ken Hornland Ball Diamonds by themselves, to maintain those for basically one season, is $45,000. Was $45,000 in 2015. That did include an upgrade. Uh, we added approximately $20,000 worth of shale um, to that site and spread out on a couple of other ball diamonds. So there was a significant uh, purchase last year. So that wouldn't happen every year. So okay, you're... So, so out of that 45000 You can remove 20. Okay, and the and the remainder is basically grass cutting. Uh, twenty one thousand of grass cutting, uh, fertilizer supplies for cleaning of the washrooms on site, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and and uh, the the dollars you got back from the what is it slow pitch? Uh, slow pitch was fifty one hundred dollars. So. And, yeah. So, okay. So, do these, do these associations not understand that if to maintain these facilities up to their playing standards, that uh, they need to pay the cost of, of at least maintenance? Um, and we are informing the groups of the expense. We've, uh, administration has requested a meeting with Minor Ball to have a discussion in terms of, um, they feel there are some deficiencies at some of our locations, of which administration <coughs> has budgeted for 2016 to address specifically fencing. There's quite a number of the locations are older, not just the Ken Horland Ball Diamonds, and the fencing requires um, quite a lot of work and we have budgeted specifically for that for 2016 as a 
um, operational project that will be done. Um, so we're going to have some discussions with them to ensure all of our user groups have an understanding of what the current cost is to maintain the existing system we have. Now there is an argument brought forward that the existing system we have is not, or the existing facilities we have, are not to the optimum level that they should be. We don't, administration doesn't disagree, hence the work that we've been doing last year, this year, and there will be more work to come. Um, some of the dugouts need to be replaced. Kinsman Funland is the next example that they, they need some work. And that will be a 2017 project. So I guess the issue is, does council want to have an increase uh, cost recovery on this particular location through a user fee rate? Or are you pleased with the rate that it's at? Well, let um, me ask you this question. So you you recommended a, a rate increase. How yeah. close does that, does that come to cost recovery? Oh, I not at, no, not at all. And, and um, philosophically, the community services department has always taken a, um, we achieve to uh, a cost recovery rate that is reasonable. And at these sites right now, it's very low. The cost recovery rate is 12%, if not lower, if we also include the uh, contracted rate for the other ball diamonds in terms of grass cutting. So we're probably closer to 6 or 8% cost recovery. It's very low. Um, at other facilities, we're at 35, upwards of 50% at the arena. Um, however, we always try to make sure that the youth rate is 50% of what an adult team, with the philosophy that adults should pay, that we subsidize youth. Um, however, we these facilities do need some work. So what's realistic in terms of an annual operating expense, it's probably closer to a $25,000 annual cost. Um, once we get a lot of the upgrading work done at an operational level over the next two to three years. So when we look at a $25,000 operating cost and we're bringing in right now approximately seven or $5,000, we're still at a 25% cost recovery. So these groups didn't realize that they were being heavily subsidized and no, no, they didn't. And, yeah. uh, and they're complaining about the state of the dugouts but they weren't willing to pay for the for the butt dugouts or etc to be upgraded well this is a <coughs> catch-22 situation it is order. slightly a catch-22 and, and honestly they don't have the information and did not have the information prior to our proposal of an increase of what the actual costs are to date. So these are the conversations we're having with them now, and it's a great opportunity to have that conversation. So they thought this was a shoeless, jo uh, shoeless Joe, what was it, the feels a dream? Somebody goes out and oh, builds and it, I and they get it for nothing? I think it still cost them to mow down the corn, but anyway. So I think, I think there was a little more involved here, if I'm not mistaken, and, and that the league also seems to think that they can't hold a uh, proper tournament there because of the shape of some of the diamonds. But I think the biggest factor is that some of them just aren't big enough. And we can't change that. Absolutely. That, so, that is an issue. So we can upgrade yeah. them what we can do. Yeah. But realistically, minor ball in this town will not be able to hold a tournament even if we upgrade it. A lot of the sites that we do have, Laura West Peace, Kinsman Funland, 
Um, we'll never meet a bantam level um, size. Expectation. Absolutely. The other issue is the Ken Horland ball diamonds are a slow pitch diamond. Right. Yeah. They're different. So minor ball has a problem with the mound at home plate. Um, slow pitch actually substantially contributed to upgrade and maintain those diamonds. Really, the town hasn't been doing a lot of uh, higher level maintenance until about the last four to five years. Prior to that, it was actually a lot of the user groups doing a lot of the work. So we're upping our game, and it's taking us a while to get there as we build um, our capacity to be able to provide that level of service that they're looking for out of the department. Um, and we're working with our contractor to get him to a level that he's able to offer the service that the group is looking for in terms of how the diamonds are gray, that type of thing. But we're getting there. It's just taking a little bit of time. Yeah. But that, so what's your, uh, so what's your, what, what do you want to increase the fee to? Um, we were proposing to uh, equalize the fee for minor ball to the same style of fee that we're charging the sports field. So the minor soccer's um, um, minor football, they're paying a per hour rate. Uh, no one can tell me why there's a per team rate for ball versus a per hour rate for um, a sports field user. So we were looking to equalize it on a per hour rate at a $15 an hour rate, which is what minor soccer, um, football, <coughs> both Bantam football and uh, the high school level football, Pioneers level, are paying at a $15 an hour rate. And, and hockey is all by the hour. <coughs> That's correct. So how much, how much of an increase is that for the teams themselves? So for if minor you're... ball as an association as a total it's an increase from their six hundred and fifty dollars um, for this season to approximately twenty two hundred dollars for the season so over three hundred times yeah over three hundred yes. percent it, it's a substantial increase and this is where it's having some struggles so is the discussion still on or are we set with that um, in, in discussion in terms... Well, you said that you would be talking yeah. to the minor ball guys yeah. again. Is there some uh, feeling that we could graduate that raise in over a couple of years? Or would that make a difference? Or if we get the money and we just upgrade it, would they be happy? <laughs> I've actually had lots of discussions in regards to this with Director Bell as well as, uh, as minor ball. Um, minor ball does not have a problem with paying the fees um, as they are proposed right now if the amenities at the ball diamonds were there. Um, and speaking with Director Bell, um, like for instance, dugouts as an example, there isn't even benches at one of the fields. And to put in proper dugouts and all that, you're looking at over a 20, correct me if I'm wrong, it was over $20,000. Mm -hmm. um, I've had emails back and forth and chats with my, with my mm -hmm. colleagues around the table and there is also other communities pay that's a, a, a fair substantial rate for for use of diamonds in other communities but those those diamonds in other communities have all the amenities where 
would pass in Alberta ball inspection where you can host and bring teams in and host provincials and those type of games just like what we can do with football in town we can do it with soccer in town we can do it with hockey in town but we can't do it with baseball so does it cost more generally to um, have a baseball diamond versus a soccer pitch um to compare apples to apples, the, the difference right now is our sports fields are irrigated, the ball diamonds are not. So if we took out the irrigation at the sports field, um, the ball diamonds would be a higher cost to, uh, to maintain. Sports fields require mowing, straight mowing, that's it. There's additional dragging, uh, additional facilities at the Ken Horland ball diamond, for example, the washrooms, that's an additional expense. But the Mr. Ford, um, the issue I haven't heard the issue mentioned about the quality of the grass. I've heard the yeah. dugouts and the benches and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's the infrastructure so. related to uh, the ball diamond. There, there is requirements to improve. However, some of the improvement requirements, um, administration would debate. For example, at the arena. Um, how much do we put into that ball diamond if we're looking to remove it in less than two years? I, I would not recommend putting in a $20,000 upgrade to that site and then have to turn around and, and remove it. It's financially, that just is not a good move. So, weighing some of it out. Um, some of the thoughts that we've had administratively is that you leave the ball diamond rates as they are proposed, uh, sorry, not proposed, as they were. The $65 per team for minor ball, the 300 with notice to the groups that we will be looking to increases for 2017. Um, as we have further discussions specifically with minor ball. However, it would seem to me that if we're to uh, do some improvements that some of the money might come from some of the users in a minor way. Yep. yep. There's still a lot of Yes, sorry. Uh, sorry for interrupting. I thought the deputy mayor was done. So how, how big is the sole pitch group in terms of, uh, is this 400 people or is it? Oh, um, probably. Closer to 200, they have, last year they had 17 teams, but it fluctuates okay. every year. And then in fastball, it's it's a, it's, it's a similar number or a smaller number? Uh, for minor ball? Yes. Uh, yeah, minor ball. And minor ball is made up of different types of, it, ball is more complicated than one realized, and the one being myself. Um, there's hard ball, there's fastball, slow pitch. Anyways, um, there, I would guess, and I don't have their membership numbers with me, but close to 150 to the 200 range, somewhere in, in that kind of a range. They had okay. 10 teams last year. Okay. Yeah, 10 teams. Fastball would yeah. use the same, same diamond as uh, slow pitch. And not fastball. Am I correct in saying that? I'm not a ball guy, so right, yeah. okay. I, please don't ask me those details because that's where Brian, my recreation facility coordinator, knows exactly which diamond can be used for which level, and each one is different. Our lower west piece 
can only be used by a certain level of minor ball and so forth and so forth. And what, that's part of the challenge with ball is they have each level has a different requirement. As I'd mentioned with my discussions with uh, with ball as well as Director Bell, just so my colleagues can hear, um, I would not be comfortable with uh, raising the rates for ball 300 plus plus percent. Um, there again, I wouldn't want to leave it exactly at where it is now because there is a cost of a cost increase to everything, even maintenance, cost of living. So if they're paying something like what was it last year, six hundred and fifty dollars yeah, for the use of those few diamonds, like even a slight increase to bring that up to a thousand would at least help with the maintenance issues. As a slight increase of going from year to year. When is the last time these rate the ball diamond rates were changed? I should have known and prepared for the fact you were going to ask that question. Um, because, uh, excuse the pun, but if we don't increase it to what you're at least recommending, we're just getting further and further behind the yeah, ball. Yeah, and and we we are we are as noted our costs farly outreach what we're bringing in for, for revenues to offset the expense. Um, I know for a fact they have not been raised since 2011. Prior to that, um, I'm not positive. There might have been an increase prior to that. So another question, do the surrounding municipalities contribute to the upkeep of our ball diamonds? Through the intermunicipal agreement, Northern Sunrise County does provide a contribution um, that is believed is lumped into the intermunicipal agreement supporting recreation, specifically Northern Sunrise County. And the MD of Peace agreement, I don't recall if it included that facility or not. I don't recall. Right, but they probably don't have their own time. Well, I guess St. Isidore does, but. Yeah. And, uh, but you want to go where there's people to play ball, right? Yeah. So yeah. you come to the town of Peace River. I guess what I was driving at, Tanya, just uh, help me with some math. Here. So sure. we're going from 600 to 2200, and I was trying to determine what the audience is and then divide it out and end up by a, a team or a per player sort of an increase. So is this, is this looking like... Uh, uh, you know, t ten dollars a player, or is this more looking more like uh, uh, fifteen dollars a player in terms of an increase? So, is the, the six hundred dollars is, is currently spread amongst two hundred people? Well, it's it's ten teams at sixty five dollars a team, and I'm assuming there's fifteen, ten to fifteen players per team. And really right. it depends on each age category. I'm not sure at the lower levels if they're doing I, more. I guess I'm just trying to understand the impact. I yeah, yeah. I understand your question. I'm, I'm just not sure I can actually do the math for you without giving you false information. Well, I, I know it's, you know, I, uh, well, it's been a day or two since I paid uh, registration fees for minor hockey or island dancing or swimming, but uh, basically, mom and dad shows up, and uh, it's how much is the fee, and somebody writes a check, and, and nobody even remembers what the hell it was last year. Um, I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong, but it would um, if it's a if it's a manageable increase, uh, you know, the fee is paid, and 
and that's the end of it. But I mean, if it's if it's if this means a doubling of individual user fees, well, um, that's certainly a concern. But I'm just again trying to understand what what does it actually mean? But maybe you have to determine the number of hours and the number of games played, I guess, to really understand it. Yeah, and, and I, I, I mean, if the, if the fees went up, but if you only played, I don't even know how many games are in the regular season. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Mr. Sochek, you're the ball player. Uh, how many games in the regular season? It's been a number of years since I was a ball player. <laughs> uh, but I think it's fair to say it would probably double the fee that's oh, being proposed. Okay, okay. Well, that, that would yeah. be significant then. Yeah. Okay. Well, why, why would it be significant? So a doubling is could be from $1 to $2. So what, that's a 50% increase. But in this day and age, you can't buy a cup of coffee for $2. So, Just so that my colleagues are fairly are aware, too, it, it, in my discussions, we have a double-A ball team here out of Peace River, which practices on our diamonds here. When they host games, their home field is Grimshaw. Because our fields, our, yeah, our fields yeah. aren't capable of hosting a game to that magnitude. Do you mean the Bantams? Because that's uh, the... Hurricanes? Yeah, they're a regional team, so they will, being a regional team, will play in regional locations. So Manning, Peace River, Grimshaw, they are a oh, Hence they won't, they can't play in Peace River because we don't have a diamond here for them. Because um, I haven't heard them playing at the... At the uh, they could use the arena diamond. But they do say they they hit it out of the the um, out field. Well, I should yeah. hope so if they're a real <laughs> Which speaks to some of the regional um, ideas that have been floated around for recreation facilities and whatnot. So, yeah. So, Your Worship, I have a question. Yeah. So, is there in part of the recreational plan? Is there a plan to? Go to sports make, field development. Well, better ball diamonds. Like I've always thought, Peace River is kind of behind the ball, but but I, so, but I never. Oh, the really ball puns that. tonight. Well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I can resist. The problem right now is the existing ball diamonds we have do not have the, the capacity for physical dimensional growth. There, there is no more space, um, and Ken Hornland will be boxed in even more by the development of the new bridge. So the other sites, there is no additional growth space. Uh, Ski Hill Ball Diamond is the biggest diamond that we have, and that's um, Stampeders men's ball plays, uh, men's hard ball, oh, yay, baseball, oh no, see I still got it wrong, um, play there, and the midgets can also play at that location, that midget level, it's an upper level. So um, the next, plan would be a new sports field development and administration has been thinking about that um, the issue is going to be acquirement of property okay. so well, that's uh, my question is, is yeah. there a part someplace costly venture yeah. and the other other thing, more comment like I I don't agree with double in the rate I'd like to see you know I don't maybe I was thinking five percent maybe needs to be twenty percent increase you know, to, and phase that in and never just allow the team to stuff the gear to it. And I really think we need to encourage some of these user groups to do some of the maintenance because, you know, like I can't count the number of times I've gone when I was going to play ball to go there an hour before to make sure the diamond was playable. 
you know, deep going in and you fill in the, the holes in the ruts and move yeah. the dirt around or, you know, and hauled in lots of sand so you could get a diamond dry enough to actually play on it when you're trying to run a lead when we were using, you know, city diamonds in, in, in Edmonton. So, mm -hmm. it, again, I think, I don't my perception of this town, we've gone to thing where, you know, the user groups don't do anything. It's, it's you know, the town's going to fix everything up. And I think those days where we can afford to do that, I think they're long gone. I think we need to get the user groups to buck up and, you know, maybe provide the wood to build a new dugout, but expect mm -hmm. the user groups to get together and figure out how it's going to happen and, and work with them to make, make it happen. Yeah. yeah, and administration is having those discussions and we'll be chatting with Minor Ball about some of the developments that they're interested in and see if there's a way that they can partner. The Ski Hill Ball Diamond is a great example of that. The town was a partner in that development, but it was Ray Pearson and his enthusiasm and some of the kids that he had working with him to make that project happen. So I believe that was the Bantam level. One of these days I'll get the levels right. But it, it wasn't the Stampeders Men's group. It was, it was Meyer Ball Upper Levels, Bantam and Midget, that did that project. And that was $85,000. It's big. So there's a lot of important stuff that has to, to move with this bylaw yes. besides just the baseball fields. So uh, just a quick question then. Can we pass this bylaw, leave the baseball stuff alone or the, field, the baseball field stuff alone until such time as administration has time mm -hmm. to have those meetings and discuss these, these issues or these or other fundraising capabilities or even these work bees, yep. um, would that would that suffice? If council is agreeable to that, um, my concern is to hold this bylaw up any longer. A lot of the changes that um, the community services department has proposed throughout the, the core section in the pool uh, category, for example, um, we'll lose our opportunity to do proper advertising and raise those rates for our next process of courses coming up in the spring um, because this could drag on. So what my, what my suggestion was, just so that everybody's aware, is we pass this bylaw as it is, as it is written with <coughs> the exception of pulling the ball line and stuff out with that end. Would you'd, that suffice? You'd have to leave the rate um, as the original, so or or a slight increase, but you'll have to make sure that the the ball rates are still included in the bylaw. Taking them out, then nobody gets charged a rate, which is not the intent, nope. right? <laughs> um, so how you mentioned the pool? So the rates are going up there by about what percentage, or it's can you say any? Just the course rates. We yeah. did not increase the ad, um, admission rate because we increased the admission rate last year. So the course rates are going up what percentage? Oh, there each one was different because it was based on the we created an actual cost for each and every course, and then developed a rate that made sense with the actual cost. So I can't give you a percentage. Each one would have a different percentage. Well, uh, despite the discussion that's gone on, I would uh, like to suggest that the ball diamond um, rate do go up, maybe not the, the three times as much, but maybe two times as much, because the longer we delay, the longer it will take to do some upgrades, too. Mm -hmm. um, not to squelch the ball discussion, but I do want to uh, note from my report there are two other amendments that administration is recommending. 
We met with the Na Navigators hockey team specifically around uh, a signage um, item. And out of that discussion, I think it was very valuable discussion in terms of where they're at in the league. All of our users are struggling. So adding fees at this point, we thought, didn't make any sense. Um, so we are proposing removing the office uh, fee in the arena. Um, and also, in when we were doing our comparisons of other community fee rates that's included in your package that Council reviewed um, both at the GMP and the last meeting, the game rate that we charge, nobody else charges. So it, it's an anomaly rate. It's not a tremendous savings for the organization. I think it might equate to about $800 a year for them, really, um, just based on last year's um, game numbers, for example. It's not a huge cost savings. However, removing that rate just brings us in line with other organizations or other arenas um, and removes a rate that's sort of somewhat redundant and sort of odd. So those are the other two amendments that we are proposing. This is the $149 item that you're talking about? Right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And then on the office, just to be clear what I heard you say, in other words, the NAVs get a free office at the Baytech Center. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Along with Meyer Hockey has an office and storage space. Right. Yeah. Okay. So their existing system, let's leave it as Very not add right. another so the, so the $100 a month for those facilities? Yeah. Because there was a discussion about, well, what's, what's the season? Is it six months or 12 months or yeah. whatever? So that That's all correct. disappears. You just delete it. Yeah. Okay. So going to the pool and rentals, so why why is adult uh, still only 18 to 60, not 18 to 65? Well, we increased it from 55 to 60. Yeah, that, that wasn't... Well, well, they're looking at uh, increasing the retirement age from 65 to whatever it is. So, 67 for CPP. Oh, we never get done. Yeah, <laughs> we want to give people. But they're going to do all kinds of things. <laughs> we did increase it by five years to 260, which is pretty average for most recreational facilities. You're putting us deeper and deeper in the hole. You're, you're acquiescing to to the councillors that want to squelch the ball diamond field ball diamond fee. You're 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 not bumping up the the adult rate on the uh, on the swimming. You're uh, well only only to five sixty. Years. Yep. Five years. So how old are you? And increasing by five years uh, does count in many people's minds. I think like part of the whole recreation plan for the town, is it not that participation yep. using that word should be counting? Yep. So there's a fine line. And I can see it in the ball diamonds, I can see it at, well in all sorts of rates here, including the hockey stuff. Yep. Um it's getting more difficult for some people to meet those kind of commitments so they don't participate. And, and there is a fine line between rates that are accessible and rates that become inaccessible. So, it, so just hypothetically, Tanya, so 
the rate goes up back to ball again. The rate goes to $2,200. 200 people in Peace River revolt, and they all go to Grimshaw and join the minor ball league in Grimshaw. Is that possible? I'm sure it, there's always a possibility. Okay, so no, no different than if if Napa cannot form a Bantam hockey club or a peewee, there are a few kids come to Peace River. Same theory, I guess. I guess in theory, yeah. yeah. Well, and we're also speaking as if um, if the fee, say, went up for the, the little ones playing baseball or whatever, that it's only this aspect of their fee that would be increasing. There could be other aspects that are triple what we're talking about and we wouldn't know absolutely sure. yeah and because we don't know what they charge each for registration i that i have no clue i think tripling fees in one year it's is a lot. a lot i don't disagree that you know maybe especially if there's work that needs to be done at the ball diamonds that we should be looking at you know just like everything trying to get back on track because we haven't over the last few years and if they're at six percent and uh, what's your pool at 30 35 35 yeah approximately you know yeah. trying to start to slowly bring it back in into line but to triple in one year i mean i i don't particularly <laughs> want to be known i mean 200 people going to grimshaw to play ball i guess on paper might not look like a lot but i don't want to be known as the community that's making it hard for these groups to operate um I think we need to be realistic, but I don't want to make it counter. I don't want. I, I don't want to be difficult about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be with Warren on this one. I I can't see us tripling that fee in one year. So there needs to be some amendments then, if you're if you're going to make some. Uh, the one thing we also have to realize too is, and then on the third reading, come back with an amended amount. Well, uh, community services would like to pass this now so that they can get going with their programs. We need to advertise. that. That's the critical piece is we need the month of March to be advertising um, so I that any fee changes are... I think just leave the balls. The one thing that we do have to realize, too, is these, these so-called players or teams or whatever that may choose to go to a different community it doesn't just hurt our ball diamonds or like councillor banky said we don't want to make it hard on them but it affects more than just the diamonds like we, we, our restaurants lose out our stores downtown lose out our gas stations lose out so we got to make sure that we make the correct decision here on this one well deputy mayor manzer suggested what what did you suggest 2200 I think I suggested maybe doubling. Which it may, so what page? $1,200. Um, so right now, oof, they're paying a $65 per team. So then we would ask for $130 per team. I still think that's too much. Yeah. I'd like to double it. Not, not in one year. I'd, I'd rather see something smaller. And that would so still be less than a soccer person. Yeah. And number and put it on the form So that's I less than a soccer player pays. I'd almost be inclined just to leave things with the diamonds the way they are now until such time as uh, as administration has time to have those meetings with 
with baseball and everything because we're getting very very close to their season starts right now. Yeah. No, but so they, I think I think we need I think we need to have some increase to send a message. We are going to increase it. Canyon that can work out the other stuff. I think we need to engage with them to get them to agree to do some of the the other enhancement that have to be done. And I think most of those 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 organizations will do that. They'll they'll step up and do that, and that'll keep keep our cost down overall. Mm -hmm. I, again, I don't I don't see the direct correlate between that and the, and the soccer fields when those other fields are created, you know, and there's a yeah. tremendous cost there. Oh, yes, know. absolutely. In yeah. my discussions also with uh, with the uh, baseball people, they have no problem coming out and doing yeah. work piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so then it could administration recommend um, it, for optics reasons at this point doing an increase to minor teams to $70 per team and the adult teams to 310 you're, you're so showing you're from sixty-five dollars to seventy dollars. We right, could right. sit here all night, you, I think, bantering you, about numbers you, on this. Yeah, thing. but you guys still haven't asked, answered the question. When's the last time we increased these fees? That and I. Nineteen fifty-nine. It might have been two thousand eleven. We put the bylaw in place in twenty eleven. Prior to that, I am not positive when they would have increased rates. I would be fine with that increase. And then we propose to bring back rate increases for 2017 that would be more substantive. So uh, when we need to cut the budget, does that mean that you're going to uh, cut your budget somewhere? We didn't budget for this increase at all. But next year? Yep. If that's the direction of council, then we'll look at all sorts of options. And one of the options is increasing revenues. But I'm not hearing a... Well, the increase well, of revenue... $70, $70 doesn't seem like um, much of a bump. Um, it's not. It's... Like, like I'm, I'm more in the category of $130, not, not, $100, not, not $70. You're in favor of 100% increase across the yep. ball. Well, it's it's yeah, and and then thinking ahead to next year, what what's the conversation going to be a year from today? Um, are we going to try and make up the other 100%? <laughs> well, there again, I'd like to see administration at least have that opportunity to have those discussions with uh, with the uh, the baseball people here, and I think they've got a. Per proposed meeting sometime in March. Mm -hmm. Do you know what Gripshaw charges? Uh, yes. On the sheet on the back. $60 per team, I believe. Is that on the back one? Or 65 It's the same as our rate. Oh, same as ours? Yeah. Fairview is 50 High Prairie is 382 Okay, that's for the kids, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's uh, the youth rate. High Prairie, again, is a, yeah, a heavy cost recovery number. And uh, so they're a heavy cost recovery number. They uh, they they have quite a active ball program, don't they? I believe so. Yeah, that's what I hear as well. And their fields are like top notch. Yeah. Well, because they pay the price. You you can't have lousy fields. Well, when I say top notch, I also mean they're they they can host provincials there. 
well, with the I, proper size fields. Maybe we can host provincials, but you know, I can't. I don't understand why we can't host regu regulation games. Uh, Fenway Park, I don't think, is actually regulation. They just built a green green giant wall. Like I, I'm, I'm sure that there's ways around that, uh, but you, you, you can't expect us to put in top-notch fields if people aren't willing to pay the price and you can't expect the, the non-user to be paying subsidizing 200 people but anyhow uh, put down what the cost somebody making a an amendment now and we'll vote on it and away, away we go so so the only ones that are I understand that our contention is this ball diamond fee, which is $65 right now. And uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer suggested, what did you initially suggest? Yours was the initial suggestion. Doubling. Doubling it to 100. So that makes it to 100, 130, 130, was that? Mm -hmm. OK, yeah. And then somebody, somebody said, "Oh, make it five dollars more." No, I said fifty percent, which is a hundred and what? Fifty uh, percent. It'd be about ninety dollars. Ninety, ninety-two dollars. Yeah. So, uh, so who uh, actually wants to? So, and what else is was up for discussion? The adult rate. So right now, currently, it's three hundred dollars per team. I would not recommend doubling. And you're suggesting 350. Yeah. The, what that was the proposed um, rate increase in the bylaw. Two, three, two bylaw. 350 from 300. Correct. So then I'll I would uh, put a motion on the table, Your Worship. Um, my number is different than everybody else's, but you can vote it down if you want. So I would move then that we accept um, what Tanya has presented here with the exception of the ball diamond rates, which would be um, $85 for this year for the uh, youth. Is that what you classify them as? Yep, the yep. Youth. youth rate. Yep. And then 350 for the adult. Recorded vote, please, sir. Yeah. So, uh, this, so this is second hearing. So how do we... We, uh, we say, um, so the motion is to, for second reading, with the following amendments as Ms. Banky put forward. So, so, so you're making a motion to go to second reading with the amendment that the, correct, yes, correct. That, the yeah. that the baseball diamond fee for for you, would be increased to 85. Turn to 85. 85? Per team, yeah. Per team. And the adult go to 350. Okay. And well, the adult is at 350 right now, right? No, it's She's proposed. That's a proposed in the Bible. Oh, exactly. so I don't need to make that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, so just right. the youth then. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, my okay. apologies. No, no, that was, I didn't know that either. And so, uh, so you want to make a recorded vote on this one or on the third reading? We can do both. Okay. So, recorded vote. All in favor of uh, Councillor uh, Benke's motion. Uh, where are you, Colin? I'm opposed. 
Okay. I'm actually for it. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't care. I voted against you lots of times. I know. Just like I have everybody else. But I, uh, so, did it, so did it pass? Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. Was it six to one or was it? Oh, yeah, six yeah. to one. Six to one. Okay, so third reading. Anyone want to make that one? I'll uh, move that we give third reading to adopt bylaw uh, 1977, the fees and charges bylaw. Don't you have to. Did she have to state the amendments? Because second. So you just you need a motion to go to third reading? No. 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 no because we already had first reading, so so we want to do all three. So, uh, so you're making a deputy mayor Manzer is making a motion to do third reading on bylaw 19 1977, the fees and charges bylaw. Okay. So. Um, uh, so you want a recorded vote on this one? Doesn't matter. Well, sure. The answer is yes or no. Yes. Uh, doesn't matter. Okay. Yes. Is so, so a recorded vote all in favor? In favor. Okay. There we go. So the request for decision regarding bylaw 1978 uh, repeal Citadel Citadel Park Area Structure Plan, and this is for first reading only. And I'm assuming for first reading only because it has to go to a public hearing. That's correct. Will it be statutory or non-statutory? Believe it'll be statutory. Okay. Development without an area structure plan. There's nothing that says he must. 
adopt the area structure plan, but if that is what council wishes to direct, then yes. Also, so, um, what was the zoning he's looking for? Agricultural res urban reserve. Yeah. And what does that allow for? That's basically the town's holding district. So it's. But I mean, what kind of a development can he put on there without coming to us? I'm just kind of nervous. Yeah. Of what what this guy's going to slap up there. I wish I brought my land use bylaw so I could quote there. I know there are basically three or four permitted uses, and then there's a wider variety of discretionary uses. Which would go for the planning commission they or would. council or both. They would go before the MPC in terms of if it was a development permit application. They would go to municipal planning commission. Do you recall how the property was zoned prior to the aerial, the citadel uh, area structure plan? Uh, I don't have that information, no. So this citadel and, and, park and is... He, oh. And he's making this request? He is making the request to repeal the area well, what, what, And, and what, why, why, what would be his motivation? Why not just, why not just sit on it? And, and well, I think he, the developer does intend on attempting to do a different type of development that is not consistent with the area structure plan. The details of that are not finalized in any way, shape, or form. So at this point, there's nothing to replace the area structure plan with. Are there tax, are there tax implications because, uh, because of this change? Taxation is not done based on zoning. So it's based on what is currently on the land. So in terms of what the assessment would be, that would only change if the land uses on the land change. So Are you sure about that? Really sure? Like I, from my assessment course, I thought that in urban areas, if you had an agricultural zoning on it, it was basically tasked like farmland. It's not, like it's quite, quite different. So you're saying that's not the case in Peace River? If your assessment course told you differently, I wouldn't mind double checking. Yeah. But that being said, I would be very hesitant to recommend uh, area structure plan be repealed and the residential village estate zoning remain because that zoning does convey a wide variety of development rights. Like I just assumed that that was why he wanted to change the zoning is because it'd be tax benefit to himself. And I'm not opposed to that. It's just. I had thought the concerns that Councillor Sajak raised that it, it could come up with some other kind of development that we may not want. And we're speaking the area beside the ski hill? We are. Can you put a campground there? An RV park is definitely one of the discretionary uses. A An extensive recreation use is definitely one of the permitted uses. Okay, so this developer um, that has that property. Now, I drove by it, I think it was yesterday. There's a nice big sold sign in front of it. Um, has been in contact with myself personally via because of Peace Fest, and he has had us or asked us to put up on our webpage advertising for him as far as a campground and a campground area. So. It's my understanding that he wants to do some further development on the site that would be beyond the urban reserve district, but that he would be 
he is looking to basically continue what is existing at this point on the, the land, which is an RV park, for a portion of the oh. land. Email. So why 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 do we have to do anything if when he comes forward, then we'll deal with it? We could choose to go that way. If we can wait. I would prefer some clarity on um, what can go on the agriculture urban reserve. What are the possibilities and stuff so it's known? Okay. Well, this is for first reading. That's true. And so what you're, so you can get all this information, but. Well, if there's, mo if there's no motion, this fails, right? Yeah. You can table the bylaw. <coughs> that being said, if you pass first reading, we have two years before the bylaw goes its natural, to its natural death. So. We have time to, to work through the questions and to bring forward more information to council. Well, I, I get the impression that people's councillors' concerns are um, you, you vacate an area structure plan and you then don't know what, what may go, so the individual may put development on there that is consistent with the zoning requirements, but not meet the vision of the town. <laughs> but can we not give it first reading and move it along, ask the administration to come back and answer the questions we've asked, and then we can take with it? Or, I just, just or, I mean, I look at these dates on here, and I, I go, he brought this to council in 2007, and, and it's, like, that's 10 years ago. Like, so a development where nothing's happened has taken 10 years. Now, obviously, part of it is is you know his lack of funding or issues around it. But obviously, it it indicates to me there's just a significant time to bring a development from start to finish in this town. So wait, wait two years and let it die. So, are are is count or are counselors suggesting that we move the first reading? I'm not inclined to, anyhow. Why not give it first reading well, and then get the information well, that we can sign? Well, you can make a motion for first reading and we'll just see how it goes. Okay. Is there any, no more discussion? Then I'll make a motion and we get first reading this uh, while I'm... We can always have discussion after you make the motion. Okay. Well, I, I want to find my email. Motion that we get first reading this while and direct administration to come back and answer the questions of we had in the discussion. State, state the bylaw number. Okay. I move that we get first reading to bylaw 1978 and direct administration to answer the questions the council had regarding potential uses, what the ramifications of the proposed designation would be. Uh, Councillor, would you mind uh, within your motion putting the citadel park area structure plan there's some place that people looking at it know what it is? Okay, sure. I don't, I don't issue that. So can you just uh, restate your motion then? 
I move that we give first reading to bylaw 1978 or appeal of bylaw 1905, the Citadel Park Area Structure Plan, and that administration answer the questions we asked regarding the implications of changing to the agricultural dispositionary reserve and uh, potential developments that that would include. Do you think that passed muster, Mr. Parker, in terms of motion? Yeah, he yeah he put 19 oh, what 1905 or 1950. I said 1905. Right? Yeah. What did you say? 1950. Okay. So any further? Are we going to have further debate, your worship, or, or yes, are we done? You, you can have uh, you can have further debate. Um, my, my my two minutes. So yep. so tell me again what why we're doing this. So. If we, if we just sit on this, when he comes forward with a plan, whatever that plan is, that plan will consider the, the current uh, designation for the land, and at which time he can decide whether it's agricultural urban or R1 or whatever it is that his proposal is. So what's, what's the, I don't see the advantage of, of doing this. So. Could someone, could the CAO explain to me why I'm going to support this? Well, the CAO isn't the one that made the motion, so. Well, I know, but he can tell me the rationale for it. <laughs> what, what, why am I second-guessing what a developer is going to do? The developer can bring forward his development, and if the current area structure plan doesn't suit it, then he can bring forward his current plan and request a change in the land use that meets what his suggestion is or what his development is and then we'll vote on it. Councilor, like, I, I don't see what this is getting us in terms of changing the designation. Like what, like, like how are we any further ahead? Fair enough. So Mr. Like the, the developer could come back with a proposal and, and we'll say, well, we ought to change it to agricultural urban and we'll say, well, oh gee, what your proposal is doesn't need agricultural urban, so then we end up changing it back to R1. So let's just leave it. So, uh, Unless I'm missing something. So, Mr. Parker, uh, a question was posed to you. So I'll allow you to answer. Thank you very much. Uh, actually, uh, Councilor Neum, your uh, suggestion is uh, quite a valid suggestion, and Council does uh, have the uh, opportunity to say, yeah, that's exactly where we, you should go, is wait until the natural proposal is made forward. What we do know is that the current area structure plan, the developer is not and has no intention of implementing that is something that we do know so just to clarify Alicia you're saying that it doesn't make sense to repeal the area structure plan without changing the zoning is that what you're saying and that's why this is going hand in hand yes I am saying that if you if the land doesn't have an area structure plan attached to it then it should be agricultural urban reserve which is the town's holding district for land that is not ready for urban development so, and right now he's telling us he wants to repeal the area structure plan because he has no intention of developing that, but he hasn't indicated what, if anything, he's planning to do with that property. He's working on developing a new plan or a new concept. Okay. I would, it's probably fair to suggest that he's hoping that the 
level of development that he's proposing doesn't warrant a new area structure plan. That's not a conversation that has been finalized. So if we repeal this one, what happens to the existing activities he has on that property? In terms of the RV park? Yes. It is an existing use and it would remain as such. But guess could he expand that throughout the property if he chose? it's an existing use you just say well I want my whole property to be RV park now instead of just that strip not at the current zone but if you drop the current zoning and you go back to agricultural urban reserve he theoretically could do that he could just start slapping up things all over the place there which is which is my reasoning to agree with Councillor Needham let's get him to come forward with what his plan actually is then we'll decide if that's an acceptable use for that piece of property. Um, anybody want with more comments or uh, questions? Hearing none, I'll call for a vote. Uh, do you want to make it a recorded vote, Mr. Burr? All in favor of uh, of. Of, uh, Mr. Burr's uh, motion. And those against? I respectfully decline Mr. Burr's motion. Yeah. So uh, it's defeated. Uh, what, what was it? It's five, five to two. And so uh, first reading has been denied. to land use bylaw 1979. I'm thinking Deputy Mayor Maz is probably regretting <laughs> driving <coughs> through all these bylaws in one go. Yeah. But yeah. bylaw 1979 and Ms. Modi, are you speaking to this one as well? Yep. Bylaw 1979 uh, was consistent with bylaw 1978. It rezoned the Citadel area, the Plan area, from the RVE district to the Agricultural Urban Reserve district. Um, so the options are in this case to provide first reading to the bylaw amendment that would rezone from RBE to Ag Urban Reserve or to not provide first reading. I would suggest that we are consistent. And not provide first reading? Do we even need to consider it? I mean, the bylaw makes no sense. Seeing how we killed the first one. So, but we do need a, mo a motion still to address this, don't we? No one makes a motion. Still make a motion. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. So, do I hear a motion? I'll, I'll provide a motion to provide first reading to bylaw 1979 as amended. To which? What? Yeah, well, the so the uh, the advice was um, well. Uh, well, wait, I, my motion was to put this on the floor, and then I'm going to vote against it. Right, I, I understand <laughs> that, but um, uh, and that's why I'm saying that Mr. Parker um, uh, advised us that if there is no motion made on this, the matter dies a natural death 
That, that's my understanding as well. So do you still want to put a motion on this? No. Okay. I withdraw. I withdraw. Withdraw your motion? Okay. So uh, there's so there's no motion on uh, bylaw 1979 is my understanding. Is that correct? And uh, with the nodding of the heads in the affirmative, I will take that as yes, there is no motion. So I will uh, declare a recess for uh, 10, 15 minutes. And uh, if we can, I'll come back in 10, 15 minutes. We'll continue with the rest of the meeting. Through to uh, new business, as there's no unfinished business. And the uh, first item under new business is request for decision regarding uh, engineering the engineering consultant for, um, I believe this is uh, the neighborhood renewal program for 2016. And Mr. McLaughlin will speak to this, is my understanding. Uh, so Mr. McLaughlin, okay. go ahead. Thank you, Your Worship and Council. Uh, so I've put all the details into a write-up here. I hope you've had a chance to read it. We closed proposals on February 4th. Uh, we had a total of three consultants submit proposals for this work. Uh, so the, it'll be a tight timeline to design it, interact with the public, uh, camera the sewer lines, do all the design work. It will be uh, a tight timeline for this. So we certainly do need to move forward if we want to deliver that project this year. Uh, after reviewing the proposals, um, we had a three-person selection committee review the proposals. Uh, myself, <coughs> as Susan, your development officer, as well as uh, Butch Mitchell, uh, Public Works, uh, review all the proposals and do all the scoring. And we're recommending award to Velocity Geomatics for the amount of $116,200. Right. And they're going to set up an office here in Peace River as well, I understand. Yeah, so just give you a little bit more detail on uh, Velocity. Velocity Geomatics is an, is an existing company in uh, Grand Prairie. They do do some engineering now, but they are pr predominantly a survey company. But uh, Jason Schuler, who I'm sure you're all familiar with, has... Uh, started working with them and will be a sort of a founding member of their uh, new new venture. Good, uh, Mr. Mayor. Um, I have a question about uh, on the description of how the point system worked. The adjustment to sixty days constru sixty construction days. Can Mr. McLaughlin maybe explain? What is that, or what's that? Yes, mean? absolutely. So uh, all of the consultants give us a very detailed spreadsheet of their costs, um, and they're broken down into different phases, preliminary design, design, construction, and then the work that goes on after a project, putting together all the final details. Well, during that construction piece, they need to be on site, but they're not really in control of the job in terms of how fast it's proceeding. That, that's up to the contractor. But in their proposal, based on their experience, they put forward 
how many days they think it will take and put their costs. But then when I'm comparing costs of the consultants, you need to adjust those costs based on a daily rate to bring it so that you're comparing the consultants to the same number of days. And so uh, we adjusted the number of days in their proposals so we were comparing all the consultants to 60 days worth of construction. So they would be supervising for 60 days? The, yes. But the, the, uh, some of the other proposals only had 45 days in their submission, but we need to compare them as if they were all going to be out there for the same number of days. So basically you take the longest number, and or the highest 60 days as opposed to 45 and go yeah, there? You, you could have done it just as fairly by taking the... Uh, <laughs> the, the shortest one and, and deducting them all, but you need you need to do your best to get an apples to apples comparison. Trent, remind me again. Uh, we had an open house, I believe, at the Baptist Church, and if I recall, you were there. Is this correct? Is, 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 okay, so that's this project then, right? Yes. Okay, I I just live in Peace River. I I don't know street addresses, so it's uh, all right. Fair enough. And whatever this is, does it include trying to save some of the trees on that street? <laughs> yes. Um, and and the, all the proposals talked about that a little bit, um, but I actually think uh, this proposal from Velocity probably addressed it the best. They, uh, you know, obviously we need to research the idea of lining first and not completely open digging everything uh, but that's if we determine that's possible through the design phase uh, we will try our best but that's all we can do do we know which of the underground like I know the sewers are an issue there I live on that street I know the sewers issue are the water lines a problem as well there have been a number like yeah. in all likelihood both black Potentially both lines. Based on age and material type, I believe they're both an both issue. They either be lined or, or yeah. replaced. And, they, and for the, even the water line, they talk about a technology called pipe bursting. And, and I'm not even familiar with that too much myself, but uh, that's one of the, the things, ideas they will look at during the design phase. Okay. So your recommendation is, Mr. McLaughlin? Uh, to award the engineering assignment to uh, Velocity Geomatics in the amount of $116,200. Would someone care to make a motion to that effect? I would do that, Your Worship. Okay. All in favor of Councillor Benke's motion? In favor. Everyone's in favor? Passed. Thank you so much. Next item is 101st Street Enforcement Stats. Um, this is around crosswalk safety. Um, Mr. <coughs> Councillor Ford requested that this item be put on, and uh, he'll I'll have I'll get him to speak to it. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, as everybody is aware, we've had. Uh, some excessive speed issues on 101st Street, uh, originally originating from a complaint coming from the senior center. Um, 
Global Traffic has done a, a wonderful job as far as as uh, helping detour some of those speeds. Um, the reports that are supplied will show that the uh, the speeding tickets are going down. Um, the first report from October, myself and Staff Sergeant Brent Meyer presented that report to the seniors a while ago. And then once we received the November and December reports, um, I also presented them to the, uh, the members of the Senior Center just the other last week. And I do believe Deputy Mayor Manzer was in attendance for that presentation. One thing that we found out, or I had another complaint come out of the uh, out of the senior center, is in regards to the the crosswalk and directly related to the excessive speeds um, that somebody potentially is going to hit get hit using that crosswalk one of these days. Um, I went out after the, uh, the that supper myself and went for a drive, and noticed with all the vehicles that are there, the uh, the signage is very hard to see. Uh, it is a very, very poorly lit crosswalk. Um, so what the idea was, is, and we spoke to the RCMP uh, Community Advisory Committee about it, and they suggested that we come back to council and do an official ask, is to uh, get letters of recommendation from our surrounding municipalities, um, Grimshaw, Napa, MDFP, Northern Sunrise County, County of Northern Lights, um, in regards to getting a letter of support, uh, as well as from some of our, from the RCMP and the, and the, the CAC group, is that the senior center here in town is utilized by this entire region. And that specific crosswalk does fall on secondary highway 744. Uh, so what the idea is, is to gather uh, letters of support and then have the town of Peace River approach um, Alberta Transportation and have one of those button activated crosswalk lights that go over the street just like at the spray park installed on that specific intersection. So is that it? That's basically the, the presentation. So um, what my motion would be, um, your worship would be, I'd like to put a motion on the table that uh, the town of Peace River contact our municipal neighbors and write a letter asking them for a letter of support to approach Alberta Transportation for this specific sidewalk or crosswalk project. I have a question for you, Mr. Ford. Do you know how much one of these crosswalks will cost? Not at this time, being that it's on Secondary Highway uh, 744, I would expect those costs would be uh, um, <coughs> supplied or paid for by uh, Alberta Transportation. So the taxpayer of Alberta? <coughs> Hopefully. But you don't know how much one of these crosswalks cost? Not at this time. That would be something that we could uh, well, ask Alberta Transportation to about. Mr. McLaughlin left um, because there was a uh, request for a similar lighted crosswalk uh, at BCMI to allow their workers to go across the, uh, to go from one, yep. one side of the hotel to the other. And it was defeated because a, well, the primary reason was 
the cost. I can't remember what the cost was, but I'm sure it's. Uh, you remember, Mr. Needham? I I, I don't, Your uh, Worship. I, I do remember the discussion and uh, that cost. Of course, uh, the hotel operator wasn't prepared to do anything, and it was to be all on the town of Peace River. So it uh, it was it was enough that the motion failed. So at that crosswalk, though, the speed limit was put down to 30 kilometers per hour, right? I do. I don't. Yeah. I do. I think I saw some signs in regards to that because there is a 30K sign there. Uh, my other question with respect to this is, is there a um, um, certain distance that, um, I don't know, whoever puts up these lights uh, looks at between the um, button type lights so can it be on the same block or whatever well the city of Edmonton uh, puts that up on their uh, puts that up on their website I can't I'm I'm on a on a common website here so I can't send you an email but you just need to type into Google city of Edmonton uh, crosswalks so they have pedestrian crosswalks mark crosswalks which is the one that you're on right now so, mark crosswalks are used where vehicle volumes are relatively light, 400 to 2,000 vehicles per hour, and the posted speed limit is less than 60 kilometers per hour. So, Mr. Ford, do you think the vehicle traffic there is over 400 vehicles per hour? I think the traffic count would support, um, I'm not depending on the time of day, the traffic count would support um, those numbers being that's a main uh, that is secondary highway 744 that runs up to uh, Mary Ring. So Staff Sergeant Meyer would you think that there's traffic of 400 plus vehicles an hour? Sustained throughout the day? No. Oh, it says 400 so, to 2,000. Definitely uh, during the time uh, in the morning and the evening uh, perhaps. Perhaps. Well, maybe that's what the letter needs to go to Alberta Transportation. Maybe that's the first step before we lobby, lobby them for a, a piece of infrastructure, which we're not sure of the cost of, but setting us aside just in terms of the need, uh, whether or not transportation could provide that information, and then what the process is to actually put one over a secondary highway. So then there's zebra mark crosswalks. Zebra mark crosswalks are used at mid-block and right of right turn cutoff crossing points and non-standard or offset intersections where drivers may not expect to see pedestrians. And the next level up, which is what you want, pedestrian activated amber flashers. Would that be correct, the amber flashers? That is correct. While active, amber traffic lights flash to warn drivers they must slow to the indicated speed and stop for pedestrians. This, this signal enhances pedestrian visibility and safety in areas with moderate to high traffic volumes. And so moderate to high is different than relatively light, and relatively light was defined as 400 to 2,000 vehicles per hour. Uh, pedestrian activated signals are traditional green, amber, red traffic lights, so you wouldn't want that. And uh, I think there was another item here that's basically said uh, you they wouldn't be putting in crosswalks that are more than 
uh, no more, you have to have at least a distance of 200 meters. So we have an amber flash crosswalk at, that's not on the provincial highway, but is uh, just right off the provincial highway, right? Yes, that would be the one located at the uh, at the spray car spray park, and just to uh, to highlight, this is this is the same crosswalk that the uh, uh, town of Peace River has just modified for uh, wheelchair access as well. The one you're proposing. The proposing to have the uh, the amber lights put across that is correct. I could go for this if we move the other ones down. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't agree having two that close. I'm not sure how many people actually use that that other one, but to have them that close together. So, well, you, you know, we can write a letter, but I I can't see them. I see them very well talking about rules that they have on this. And, uh, I think we need to do more homework on this. I, I seem to recall meeting with the uh, representatives from the town of Valley and they wanted on the Highway 49 to the hospital from the downtown, and they were pu pushing transportation to install them there. There were some issues around not doing that there. Theirs might have something with overhead stuff. But they, they, they've been asking for a couple of years and haven't been given, given approval there. So I, I think we need to do some homework and figure out whether it's even feasible to even ask. So you, we, how long have we had global traffic there? Two months? I've got reports for, I've got reports for uh, October, October, November, December, and they've been there January and part of February. And... Um, so I would give it enough time. Uh, the one question that I haven't had answered yet, and maybe uh, uh, Mr. Harris uh, could answer this, is in regards to global traffic. Um, can they, like right now, let's say 7:30, that supper could be letting out at the senior center. Can they do? Can they do their photo enforcement in in these light conditions? There's a there's a sidewalk that's two hundred that's less than two hundred meters away crosswalk. Well, first of all, I and the question is, so we have a ninety degree turn to get onto this highway, and then the highway continues on for about a block, and then there's another ninety degree turn. I. I, I'm having a hard time believing that you would make a 90-degree turn, get up to a speed that you 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 wouldn't have a reasonable stopping distance. Um, from either end, so so where where's the speed coming from? Is it coming from the guys that are coming off the hill? A lot a lot of it would be coming from there as well. Yes, sir. But they're not even on the provincial highway. They would be coming down to the hill, and once once they hit that 90 degree corner, that corner has to stop to the oncoming traffic coming 
down 101st Street, which so, becomes 744. So if you've got a traffic crosswalk that's going to cost you half a million dollars when you can s set up these uh, slowdown uh, islands um, for next to nothing, but just because you put in a, a crosswalk doesn't, I don't see how that's necessarily going to make people get down to the speed you want them to get down. It just tells them that there's somebody crossing the, crossing the, crossing the highway. Yeah, the, the, the end concern, the, or the end concern was uh, uh, people's safety using that crosswalk. Um, however, um, just in regards to like a, a, a regional idea or a regional project is to get is to have our neighbors uh, lobby with us to try and get uh, transportation to do something to to help with this crosswalk now it necessarily doesn't have to be the flashing yellow lights but some way of warning the public that there's somebody in that crosswalk because like I say it is very very poorly visible it's not very well lit, and when that senior center is being used, those traffic signs there are hard to see. I think there's a lot of areas in town that we have this problem, not just at crosswalks. Like, you just go on 101st Street when you come out of the movie theater there, and people are coming down that road and trying to cross that. Like, I'm not sure... I think the speeding is probably the first issue that we need to address, and... I don't know if it was all of October. I don't think it was all of October that they were down there. Um, personally, I'd like to see us take a, a good kick at trying to slow people down on those roads because it's not just that crosswalk mm -hmm. that this is this, that there's this issue. Um, so that I don't know. That would be my preference right now. But well, we can write the letter. I guess it doesn't cost us anything to no. write a letter, but. Why are we putting Alberta transportation in? Like the probability they're going to say yes is zero to nil. I I tend to agree with uh, Councillor Burr's ideas that you know let's take another look at this and get a little more research on what we're even asking. I mean you're right we could go to the neighbors and say give us a letter of support but I mean what if. The idea is that we're going to go back to transportation and request them to do something, then we should at least be a little more prepared on, on what we're going to ask them to do. I think we know if we're going to support it. I personally won't support doing it there, there unless some other things happen with it. So, again, maybe if everyone else is keen on doing it, then maybe we do. But I think it would look silly if we lobby our neighbors to do something and then ultimately we decide with more information that we don't well, want to Well, no, that's it. what I'm saying. I think we need to gather the information before we go ask anybody for a letter of support. I mean, again, what, what is one of those crossings cost? Is transportation even prepared to put one if there's another one 150, 200 meters away? You know, they might just say no. Oh, point blank. We're just not going to do it regardless. And that's, and that's why I think the first letter should go to transportation and just lay it out. I mean, they've got all kinds of crosswalks in Grimshaw. They've got them in Peace River where there's flashing lights already. So ask them what the process is and ask them what it costs. Maybe they got a program for these things. Uh, and, and maybe it's just right out to lunch, but before we get the neighbors too wound up in our uh, in our wish list, maybe we should just find out what it is we're talking about. And the only reason why, one of the only reasons why I brought the uh, the neighbors involved is uh, simply because we um, at the RCMP CAC board we have 
um, members of those municipalities sitting at that table, and uh, they seem to uh, that was their ask is to is to bring the ask formally to them from from council. Now, if we have to do some more homework first prior to doing that, then yeah, I'd be totally in favor with that. And like uh, His Worship said, it's just a matter of once we get the information, it's just a matter of writing the letter. So, uh, so do you want to uh, spend some time getting some more information together, or do you want to make a motion right now? There's a motion on the floor. Yeah, there's one. Did he actually put yeah. the motion on the floor? Yeah. So do you want to withdraw the motion and get more information, or do you want to? Or do you want? Do you want me to get the information, or? Pardon me. You should do it. You should direct it, man. So what about that motion? I would uh, withdraw my first motion. Go ahead. I make a motion, Your Worship, the direct administration to check with Alberta Transportation regarding the cost of the proposed crosswalk and the relative effectiveness in in that particular circumstances. I can't agree with you. I don't know that it's it's the ultimate solution. Maybe there are other up. up Options to um, slow traffic down at that location and to otherwise deal with it. Uh, you probably want to ask what their <laughs> criteria are for placing crosswalks on provincial highways, and you might want to use example highway, whatever it is, through town. Secondary. And then the other one would probably be uh, uh, so you got the cost. Criteria. What, what, what is Chris can figure it all that out. We don't have that on the motion. Do we? Well, they, they, they may or may not have a traffic, a traffic oh, yeah. safety program that we could apply under, but that's. Uh, I presume they're smart enough to offer that up in terms of their response. And there's, yeah, there's a grant program available. Hopefully, it's not the same program they use to do interchanges. Well, they don't have money for interchanges, so... That, that was my point. <laughs> okay, so all in favor of Mr. Burr's motion? In favor. Okay, next item. Thank you, Your Worship. So, uh, next... Okay. So this takes us to reports, check registry. Um, are there any questions to be asked that um, councillors wish to ask the administration on the check registry? Hearing none, I assume that we will just Accept the check registry for information and Deputy Mayor Manzer is making that motion. I am, Your Honor. All, all in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion? In favor. Councillor reports, it says none here, but under information, were you the, uh, Councillor Burr, were you the one that put together the linear symposium January 2016 agenda and Councillor update? 
Or was that? Yeah, I shared that with council, yes. Okay. So, uh, in terms of council reports, uh, uh, Deputy Mayor Mazur, do you have any reports to file? Um, I'm thinking that I would file at the end of February so it's ready for the March regular meeting. Okay, fair enough. Save it. Councillor Banking, anything to add to that? I'll do the same. Councillor Sachek. <laughs> Everyone's taking their cue from Deputy Mayor Manager. I think the only thing probably that we'll mention is that on Thursday night we have uh, our next arena meeting update with our regional neighbors to kind of try and push that project forward again. Okay. Uh, Councillor Needham, I take it you haven't even been at any meetings in the last four weeks. <laughs> that, that would be correct. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, attentive tonight, so uh, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Councilor Burr? I attended the Peace Region School, or Peace River School Division Community Advisory Group meeting last Thursday. I'll provide a further follow-up. Okay. So haven't made a whole lot of progress. We're looking at a couple options and trying to get some costs, and then we'll, before they kind of come up with final recommendations, so. Uh, and Councilor Ford. The, uh, I attended the Peace Regional RCMP Community Advisory Committee meeting on the 17th. Uh, one of the things coming out of there is uh, they're looking at doing a, uh, an impaired driving type program uh, with the, uh, the cab companies and uh, the, the local establishments in town as far as doing bar coasters. So that will be something new coming up uh, in the near future. Your Worship, sorry, I just did want to highlight one thing. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, we had a lunch with a prospective doctor on February 12th. Um, that seemed very promising. Um, and what's interesting with this particular doctor is that he has colleagues in Slave Lake and Grand Prairie. So he's coming from South Africa, but he has um, connections to the region, which will make it a whole lot easier for him um, should he choose to come here. So he did tour again, same as last time, High Prairie and Peace River. I think we got a pretty good feel out of him. So we just need to follow up with Susan and see if there's been anything we So you don't have a chance to hang out with his people during his off times. Yeah, and he does have a family. He's got three children. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, like he liked to ski. Oh, he's never skied. He wants to try. Um, but I, th I thought it went well, and hopefully we'll see anything in town. Okay, great. I don't have anything to add to that. So uh, that takes us to information. There's a letter. There's six items there. A letter uh, from the County of Northern Lights regarding the fire services agreement. And... Um, that was uh, answered. And there was a response from that that just came in today. Oh, okay. And what they're looking for is uh, we requested to have a meeting uh, with them. Right. And uh, they're just saying uh, if we can propose some dates for them. Uh, they gave a list of dates. So um, we asked if we could do it before March 15th. But it might be difficult to do it before March 15th, they're saying. So um, maybe the last week of March, if uh, council has some predates on the last week of March, you take a look, maybe I can 
go back with one or two dates. Is this whole council and whole council? Correct. Oh, okay. And then what would happen is uh, the representatives from provincial government would come up also, and they would talk about the program okay. that they offer, the so. uh, mediation program. So we included this in the information part, but we didn't uh, include our response yeah. or their response to that. So. Yeah, it just came, literally. Right, okay. Yeah. But we don't have our response to this, so we should uh, endeavor to include that so there's some continuity in the next uh, package. Um, the, uh, there's an information package from the RCMP regarding uh, Municipal Peace Regional uh, Statistics for January 2016. And I don't know if Staff Sergeant Brent Meyer wants to even speak to that or let it speak for itself. Okay. So, Mr. Mayor, I do have one question on that. It has to do with calls to alarms. And um, I, I guess I'd like to know is it significant that they kind of doubled from one year to the another, even though there's not too many of them? Yeah. Uh, alarms are significant. Uh, the more people that install them in their homes or as more people get smartphones, I may have spoken about this before here, um, everyone has an emergency button. Every one of them has to be investigated. Thankfully, more and more, um, those that are repeated are falling off. But in the, I would say in the last five years, there's been an explosion of false alarms with the increase of home alarms and the increase of um, uh, smartphones being used by people. So it is a, a drain on resources for sure. So do people, if they seem to have constant false alarms or a certain number, do they get charged like a cost? for the police coming or somebody coming or uh, not presently um, we don't have uh, with all the different areas that we um, uh, look after we don't have something uniform throughout by any means but that is definitely something I mean that I could take to our community advisory committee as a topic to have a, uh, a false alarm um, bylaw maybe adopted throughout the areas that we serve um, I have seen it uh, attempted in other areas, such as uh, Slave Lake. Um, like I, I'm just wondering, like if it's worthwhile, then to me that would be yes, because it takes resources to look after these yeah. things. So, But if it doesn't really produce a lessening... Yeah. There's also something else to be aware of. Uh, cell phones that are discontinued with a provider, as long as they have power, if you dial 911, it still dials us. It's kind of a, a neat thing, so that people can get all of you theoretically. But more often than not, people take their old phones and give them to kids <laughs> and let them play. You, on a, a fact that not a lot of people know, they actually still will work just for nine months, and that's it. So on those alarms, and my wife bought a system, and I'm the one that sets it off. Yeah. They don't call you when I first set it off, right? It's no, depending on the system, depending on if you have a key holder indicated, and every system's different. So. More often than not, it uh, can be a phone call to the keyholder, the homeowner, um, a neighbor who's been identified, or even some systems now send like a text message or email to the system owner. Uh, but everyone is so different. I get all three. So oftentimes, uh, once once a new business or someone new looking after a building, um, 
isn't aware that the fax machine sets off the alarm or the cat sets off. Or there's lots of different things that for different systems that cause problems. Um, uh, in the winter, uh, when we have uh, the air systems change and the, the draw is different, oftentimes right when it gets really, really cold, we'll see an increase in the alarms in those evenings. But that's uh, tempering off in the last, I would say, more, more recently because the systems are better. I would say the systems have become uh, better at detecting things. So how do they handle false alarms in the city of Edmonton? I can't uh, the, imagine the co uh, the uh, the police force response to it. It's it's throughout every police force. Um, they they likely do have a bylaw. I can't actually speak to whether they do, but I would imagine they definitely have something. Um, certain policing areas have went to uh, if there's less than two hits, we don't intend. Um, but you know, once you get the panic alarm, which there's lots of people or even seniors that have a panic alarm or something. That's one you go to. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. Uh, any other questions for Staff Sergeant Meyer? So do we come? So you're suggesting a bylaw. It could be something we should look at, or do you want uh, to take it? It could it back be something without uh, Warren uh, and I can take that community advisory committee link or and advise that is uh, all the uh, counties and uh, the town um, there each have a counselor and there's some community members from Slate Lakes and youth from, or from Peace River and uh, uh, youth from uh, Peace River adults, seniors. So there's a good mix of people there and uh, their ideas steer uh, a lot of the community things we try. So we could, we could look at that and bounce that over. But we could do some, the town could do some, I guess, that would really Absolutely. affect our cost as much as if half or the Or it could be an education kind of thing. For sure, for sure. It could be an education thing. I mean, uh, dealing with uh, homeowners, renters, and businesses is a lot easier than uh, cell phone users, which I, I, I actually don't know the specific breakdown of which would be which end of that false alarm. Number. I was just looking at the city of Edmonton. They actually have a not a bad false alarm program yeah. that we could look at. Okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, the next item is the Embridge uh, Whitetail Peaking Station. Uh, just a letter from Embridge advising people where they are in the regulatory process, AER process. And uh, number five was an upcoming Northern Alberta elected leaders meeting. And I think, if I recall reading this correctly, this is where Councillor Manzer was actually looking for uh, information. Correct. Um, I understand that at least part of the meeting is um, meeting with uh, Minister Lurive about, um, I don't know if it's a linear assessment or what it is, but my purpose for putting this on the agenda was to ask uh, if I get the opportunity, are there some topics that I should bring up on behalf of Peace River? All right, 
I, I think I mentioned in your earlier email that I, I thought some of the paper that was created on the Peace River Second Bridge and the rationale made a lot of sense given um, federal government is supposedly committed $250 million towards Alberta. So what, what do we have to do to get uh, a commitment to build a, a, a key piece of infrastructure? And it's not just for Peace River. I mean, it's clearly connected to the regional highway network, uh, no different than between a highway to Fort McMurray. Uh, it, it's a vital piece of infrastructure. So I, I thought the paper that was created already tells a good story, and uh, if we're looking for filler, why, why wouldn't we ask our colleagues to support, if it doesn't have to be specific to Peace River, well, at least it has to support infrastructure. So I'm not sure where all that sits, but... Um, I, I would hope that somebody is uh, keeping track of what Alberta priorities are when it, when it comes to federal infrastructure. I don't think it hurt to, uh, if you get a chance to bring up about the about the Shell Peace River complex and the potential impacts if the government goes hard. Use on. your microphone there, Ron. Well, just talking about the uh, Peace River complex and the, the company concerns that if the government goes hard on reducing freshwater input, that that could be what kills that very important part of our economy. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I would just ask councillors if they've got other topics that they forward them to me through email. Go from there. Thank you. <coughs> Okay, uh, uh, Mr. Parker, are there any notices of motion? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, so before we go... Is anyone going to do a motion to accept those information items? Uh, yes, somebody will. Who's going to make I'll, a motion? I'll make a motion to accept the information items 11.1 11. 11. 11. to 11.5. For information? For information, yeah. All in favor? Thank you. Um, so before we go in camera, key communication items. Uh, we'll do key communication items. So we'll give the press an opportunity to uh, to highlight uh, what they think is newsworthy, and uh, if they want any uh, any further information or want to ask some questions or a sound bite or to support that. Well, there's the uh, engineering consultant uh, memo there that Trent McLaughlin is here for. Right, so that'll be for the 2016 version of the neighborhood renewal program. Okay. And um, uh, so there, okay, so you want to talk to me about that one? Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, <coughs> is that the land, land use bylaw? Oh, land use bylaw. Okay. Um, the public hearing. Who wants to speak to that? Uh, I'm thinking maybe Mrs. Sachak and Ms. Benke. That's what I'm thinking. So, which one of you wants to take what that one? That's talking about with that. Yeah, oh, we defeated that one, I guess. Oh, okay. we? Well, no, 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 no. 1975 was the public hearing. It was the public hearing. 
Oh, okay. 75 is the public hearing. So, so does anybody want to? So we had first reading. Uh, 77 would be a good one. No, there was nothing with that. There was no motion that came out. Oh, yeah. There was. But we can. Uh, 77, I think, is the fees and charges by a lot of Fees and charges, yeah. So Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, he's very passionate about that. He's also on the community service board, so. Talk to Mr. Meyer directly. You can call 911 and talk to him. <laughs> 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 well, it's still got power. It'll still dial 911. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Mr. Dietrich, is there anything that we it's noteworthy of getting out on the website? I believe so. It's got fees and charges by law, the open house, or the public hearing, and the engineering consultant. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll take a recess for five, ten minutes. I'll just, uh, I'll just stay on. You want to deal with? Uh, the first one I'd like to do is